This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters, and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that are still happening today. Sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. G'day, welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, the podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies bring you bite-sized chunks of Australian news and politics. We are also the official podcast of the Ozpol Shitposting Facebook group. My name is Zach Snack, and with me, as always, is friend, confidant, and member of my inner sanctum. Hey, it's me, it's Noon. And very excitingly, I think this this episode, I think it's safe to say we actually have three of Australia's foremost political nobodies. I think it's very safe to say that. Yeah. Um, um, we've got Tom Tanneke. Yeah, Tom Tanneke. Back Over, on the show. We had him in episode 10, uh, which was the episode that we launched our, our Patreon. Um, so we had him on as a little, little treat uh, for our... Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's going back a minute now. 99 episodes ago, it's... Kind of annoying that it wasn't a hundred episodes ago, but you know it's fine. We make do. Maybe we can get him back in ninety-eight episodes, and then ninety-seven, and then at some okay, point so we're slowly yeah. becoming an exclusively Tom Tanaki podcast, exactly over the course of the next ninety-nine years. Okay, I like this plan. Stick around for that interview that's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but before we do that, we want to send a big thank you, a massive shout out to our new patrons, ooh, ooh, August, ooh, ooh. Julie, and Coot, who thank is. You all so much. Coot, thank you so much. I mean, come on. I mean, I, we love all our new patrons, but Coot holds a special place in our hearts. A I big thank you. Had a uh, lockdown legal cough with Coot this morning before we recorded. Oh, it was really? delightful. Yeah. That's so sweet. Um, and the other thing that happened this week is that we blasted past 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. We have been begging people, we've been down on our hands and knees, groveling. Desperately trying to add up ourselves the number of reviews left to 100. I suspect <laughs> several people wanted to be the 100th one, and so they were leaving it. Yeah, so uh, last week we had 98, and now, now we've got 104, which is so, so fantastic. Thank you so much to everybody who left the review. Which is we only got five new reviews, so not sure how that works, but... Uh, maybe we just got one rating, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. we'll read those out at the end of the show to say a special thank you, thank so you to everybody who uh, helped us get over 100. And now we'll stop bugging you about it, at least oh. briefly. But if you are a patron, you also get access to a monthly bonus episode. This month, it just came out. Uh, Zach talks about the literally, actually true fact that Bob Hawke was a CIA informer. And I talk about some much less well-documented claims about the world that might be called conspiracy <laughs> theories by some. Uh, so if that sounds fun to you, uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash ospolsnackpod. Chuck us a dollar. You'll get that. And I'll hop on our yeah. Discord. It's great. One dollar a month. Bonus episodes. People seem to be liking this bonus episode, which is yeah, nice. yeah, got a bunch of good feedback about yeah, it. Yeah, so time. yeah, if you're if you're you know if you've been hesitating, waiting to pull the trigger on that monthly donation, now's not a, a bad moment. time to do it. But that's enough from us. Let's get into this interview with uh, very special boy Tom Tanaki. I haven't even introduced him. Tom Tanaki, if you don't know him, he's uh, you know you might know him from his work with Yard, aka yelling at racist dogs. You might know him from his YouTube channel where he does a lot of uh, 
leftist commentary, uh, you know, especially on conspiracy movements and uh, when we first got movements. him on, it was to talk about anti-fascism, which is a big thing that he's really involved with. Anti-racism work, um, a lot of like online following the creepiest, grossest white supremacists uh, and other, you know, far right nuts and other kooks. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, Which makes him the, the perfect person to talk about uh, these anti-lockdown protests that happened mm-hmm. last week. So uh, that's enough from us. We'll, uh, uh, we'll leave you with this interview and then we'll uh, see you at the other end. All right, excellent. We are here with Tom Tanneke, YouTuber extraordinaire, uh, very good boy and sweet angel. Thank you very much for Thank coming on the for- show. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, was I the... Was I the first guest on your show? You were, on episode 10. Yeah, so it's nice to have you back. I think you're not Crazy. actually our first repeat guest, though, unfortunately. I think you're our second. Yeah, but that's tough because the, the, the first repeat guest was my girlfriend, so it's like, you know, stiff competition. But you're back 99 episodes later. 99 episodes <laughs> yeah. later, so now you love me um, as much as your girlfriend. So yeah, I'd say nice. that it's that's about a 50-50... Yeah. <laughs> Thank well, you. Well, you are Australia's boyfriend, so <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. Oh, that reminds me of like me posting repeatedly on Facebook, as I used to be obsessed with doing. I sort of like, yeah. I, I mean, I used to just talk absolute garbage, like being Australia's boyfriend back in the <laughs> back in the good old days. But I just like I've lost that thing. Like it really irritates me for one, but also no one can see my posts on Facebook <laughs> anymore. Been so it's like, so I just don't talk on there anymore. But the good old days. But that was quite a while ago, wasn't it? Was that a year or no? I think More, almost two, two and years a bit. ago. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Yes, we've been doing this for some would say too long. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate your your point, and I really appreciate the work ethic of you both. I really, really do. I think that's quite rare. Um, I mean, I not you know, I personally, I'm someone who's just gone back to intermittent on my own little podcast i'm just like oh whenever i get around to it i'm doing more of the videos i think that's what most of my people want to want to sort mm, of see mm. and i enjoy i think i'm better at it anyway. so i'm happy to happy to hand the pod the pod um gauntlet over to people like you with a better work ethic at it warmly received received with with grace and yeah i mean we love your youtube channel and um I mean, you've been pumping out some extraordinarily hot content over the past couple of weeks, especially. I thought that your video on the Sydney lockdown protest was fantastic. And that's really what we want to Hmm. chat about is these anti-lockdown protests that happened last weekend. So for people who don't sort of... um, make the, some, the dubious the... decision to yeah to to obsessively follow the anti-lockdown movement tom maybe you could give us a quick sort of roundup of what happened last weekend okay so well i suppose for a second if you'll allow me to pull back a little bit more please of course i think you know and i don't know if i'm an expert in this as much as someone who's just spent a long time obsessing over it i made the tomato that, tomato yeah, I made that dubious decision, <laughs> but I, I, um, the anti-lockdown movement is what conspiracist researcher Travis View of the QAnon Anonymous podcast calls a big tent uh, mm-hmm. conspiracist movement, and that means it's a big umbrella under which there are many, many competing factions, um, many of which are leaderless, you know, sort of like little melting pot 
uh, Telegram groups or Facebook groups, you, formally, you know, a lot of that gets booted off there these days, but mm. spaces where people trade conspiracies and, mm. uh, but many factions vying for, for, um, I suppose, supremacy within that big tent, you know? Yeah. And then there's a, I wouldn't say a ruling caste, but certainly a directing class or cast of uh, portrait video filming, um, you know. Figureheads. Figureheads, yeah. So these are the guys that are like sitting in their car talking to their phone about the constitution, that sort of thing? Or, yeah. yeah. Threatening to punch the camera. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and some of them are real conspiracists. Mm. Many of them are uh, sugar rush attention seekers, mm-hmm. I think. Um, some of my favourite ones are those people because they think that they're being altruists and they sort of are in a way, and they're not searching for the money. It's it's hard to call them grifter, I, mm-hmm. you know, but they 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 love the theatrics and the attention. And in my last video, you know, I talked about a guy called Romeo Georges who doesn't stand to monetarily profit off the movement so much, but he's a Lebanese bloke in Western Sydney and he he was treated like a real folk hero at the Sydney protests Mm. last weekend because he's a a frustrated, he has a frustrated inner drama student. (laughs) And in, 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 you know, I think the prevailing logic of 2021 and thereabouts is that, viral means right like if you got really Mm. popular on social media you obviously had something to say Mm. and what gets popular is a bit of theatrics on there so this is a guy goes into his backyard and he pipes himself up and he does these incredible i prefer watching i'm going to do a compilation of romeo george's at some point because i prefer watching him to like you know people watch alex jones and they go Mm. like he's ridiculous and he's terribly terrible politically and he's dangerous in that sense but but i fucking love him well that's me I, romeo's better than alex jones for sure. that because he goes in the backyard and he threatens to bash his own camera it's just complete <laughs> is, melting, is he the one you know? who was worried about the big moon no um, that's Thanos Paniides. <laughs> okay sure, sure. yeah because that, that, that's Thanos, but you have correctly identified another per- person in what I think is that class of attention, sugar rush attention mm. seekers. Yep. Thanos, yeah. I mean, he might have made a bit of money here and there, but I don't think that was his primary motivation. Totally. He likes being, he likes going to the rallies and being called a sick cunt. People patting him on the back and going, on your Thanos. And you can see him in the lives. They go, oh, they, they love it. You know? <laughs> it's kind they of sweet, it. you know. Like, and I, mean, I love as, that for them. As people. a former <laughs> drama student who now has a podcast where we beg people for <laughs> reviews every week, uh, like, I, yeah. I relate to that you know we can't say that we don't get it we can't say that we don't get it well here's the thing so before i did anything anti-fascist um i used to have a blog and i used to do character videos that's sort of what led me into doing like you know a character that was a um um you know a a nationalist you know with millions but if you look back if i look back to that time before i was doing anything like that you know i'd like put up a little blog post i'd get a couple of views you know maybe a hundred then i feel like i'd made it massively and then you go into this political space and suddenly people are telling you you're like changing the world <laughs> totally <laughs> you know, they're going yeah. oh, this is amazing you're like, really doing something and you get this like oh no idea i was so important <laughs> yeah i'm amazing and then people are threatening you killing you as well yeah yeah and you're like I'm it's still a, a grand even if it's yeah. unpleasant yeah yeah, I'm a firebrand revolutionary, you know? You get all <laughs> Provocateur. that. Provocateur. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, you know, you feel really amazing. So there's that class. I love it. And I love that for them. 
Then there's the grifters, and I think, you know, Arby Yemeni, um, people like that, mm. and they it's purely about them getting dinner, you know, and some of them are very good at it, you know, and, and he's, the, he's the best, actually. He's got a lot of money and there's some very mm. interesting terms and conditions inside the many, many donation bags that he asks for for all these creative reasons related mm. to the lockdown in which it says, uh, you know, if there's any excess money, it just goes straight to Rebel News. So that's right. cool. <laughs> And then, so they harvest that latent political will. Sorry, Tom, to interrupt. I just wanted to let our listeners know that your cat, Chimpy, has now joined us. Um, yeah, he Chim- has. Chimpy's entered, entered the chat. Yeah. I'll put him close to the mic. My mic's very quiet, <laughs> but you might be able to hear a small purring right around now. I'll <laughs> scratch him so that it purr. Anyway, maybe you could talk with the audio after. You know what? You could just, like, post... Put it. Put a yeah, purring in post. <laughs> put like really loud, obvious purring sound. <laughs> the magic it. of podcasting. Yeah. So <laughs> they love it. Oh, they love it. And so, and then there's the third category, which is the political careerists. Mm. And I think again, you know, you've asked about Sydney, and we'll get there. But like, you know, so the the most notable political careerist of last weekend, as, and when I say that, I mean people who are trying to convert all that latent political will into a potential future voting bloc, mm. um, was Joel Jamal, who was, a you know, was a, mm. a, an organiser there, and he's like a young, what's he, a Christian Democrat, he's the person trying to sort of take, you know, Fred Nile's old spot. Sure, sure, um, right. Yeah, horrible shit, really. And there's in Victoria, there's been Monica Smith, who started Reignite Democracy Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's a you know it's become an, a thing for where they think that they can sort of turn all of these very willing, enthusiastic conspiracists into a future fringe party voting block. So mm. there's those separate things, and that's the class of people who shape and give will. But it's also I think their ideas are very leaderless. And you know when I talked about factions earlier, I mean you know maybe uh, uh, the anti-vaxxers have become the ruling faction, I would suggest, you know, mm-hmm. particularly given that what's a pandemic going to do? Inevitably a pandemic in its later stages talks about vaccines. So mm. they were destined to rise to as, have a, a, place as a here, faction yeah. of the anti Yeah. Uh, or the freedom movement, as they call it. You know? So there's that. And then there's, um, uh, you know, there's been the 5G thing. That's waned a bit over time, really. People are a bit less. Yeah, it's funny uh, seeing less of that in this round of protests, but the early anti-lockdown protests were very sort of 5G oriented and it yeah. had a bit more of a QAnon flavour. Like I still, I think you do still see where we go one, where we go all. You at, do. At this round, but n- not nearly as prominently as those ones that were happening last year, like in the yeah. Melbourne lockdown. Yeah, QAnon exists. People still wear their QAnon tops. And mm. in America, it's a fundamentally American movement, mm. right? So, yeah. um, But it was also fundamentally about it's uh, about creating uh, an army of organic bots working for Donald Trump. Yeah. And I think, and and with his election, sorry, his, his lack, of, an lack election. of election, <laughs> um, they, they've waned. They yeah. have. No, the head Did of the snake's been severed. I really totally, think, you know, you know, it's oh, it's good for the world, but like Donald was just too lazy, you know. So I really, this is not what we're talking about today, but like he could have done a coup, but he was just <laughs> too too unsure of himself. 
couldn't be bothered walking down to the capital, and so it kind <laughs> of just happened, and then he sort of distanced himself. Uh, whatever. I, I, I feel agree like with if, you. Hey, if, if he was the man that they hoped exactly, he would yeah, be, yeah, that they thought he would be, the political will around him was yeah. ludicrous. You yeah, know, you yeah. would wish you would never. We will never say that political will. There is no one that's like, you know, it's just that he was a shapeless, formless blob, you know? And I don't mean, I'm not talking about his physicality here. I just mean he just didn't care. He's just a a loafing about loser and he just loved the validation, you know? He was the ultimate sugar rusher. Mm. Mm. Yeah, totally, totally, hey, yeah. Yeah, and a, and a combination of that and the grifter, you know, like as yeah, he came from a line of grifters, really, didn't he? You know, but anyway, so so with all of that context, there's 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 your sort of died in the wool conspiracists, but then Sydney locked Sydney's anti-lockdown rally happened last weekend, mm. and it had I don't care what other people say, it had tens of thousands. Some people say thirty up to forty, fifty, even sixty thousand. Wow. So, that was I like know. the climate rally. That's huge. That's that's really big. And the biggest mm. shot in the arm they received was a bunch of very unhappy people in Western Sydney. Mm. You know, which is very right. multicultural. You know, I don't know about primarily. I don't know about stat, but a very large Middle Eastern, Lebanese, whatever population, and. And the, the the factors that led that huge new contingent to go there were, I think, I don't know what they think they went there for because you could probably have asked a lot of people. And indeed, I watched a lot of live streams in which people were asked and they were like, oh, you know, I'm going because we need to stand up against the new world order. So that might be what they're saying, okay, but there's what people say and then there's the material conditions, I think, that led them to that point. Mm-hmm. And you know, let us count the ways, you know, people were materially, people were locked out of construction work mm. and then they were told that they could get some poultry uh, thing from the government, but what would you have to demonstrate? You'd have to demonstrate that your income went down by 25% or more mm. and what, what is it that's notable about a lot of people in construction work? Well, a lot of them get cash in hand, so how the fuck could right, you demonstrate that your income went down by 25%? Yep. This doesn't apply to everyone, but we can imagine that the numbers starting to stack up in terms of people that it does apply for. Mm. Same thing with your rental moratoriums. New South mm. Wales re- offered to reintroduce them too late, mind you, but we were hearing about people still being threatened with eviction or even kicked out anyway. The other thing is that, like, I don't know, I feel like in Melbourne's lockdown, except for the towers, um, it was pretty consistently enforced and basically everyone had the same conditions no matter where you lived or whatever else. But yeah. in Sydney, it's been really inconsistent and the way that they've yeah. treated those Western Sydney LGAs has been cruel, militarized. And like th- those people aren't allowed to leave for work. They're not allowed to leave the local yeah. area for work, whereas there are people on the other side of King Street in Newtown who are allowed to leave their suburb for work. Um, yeah, there's a very stark divide. Yeah. 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 And now they've got the ADF patrolling the streets as well. Ah, you know. well we how is this not going to make you feel like the government is watching your every move when there's yeah, literally not, soldiers not on your street and making oppressed. sure you don't go to the shop? Yeah. Because yes. like, that's the, you know, the, I think, kind of the broadly what we're 
trying to get at here is that, you know, mixed up with all of this conspiracy bullshit and nonsense, that there are deep legitimate concerns being expressed by these protesters. And yes. that it's got to do with the material conditions and also the absolute failure of the government response mm. in supporting these people. And so the kind of, you know, generalizing here, but the broad response that I saw on Twitter kind of from, you know, the left, like, commentary out, however, however you yeah. want to describe it, is this very tut-tut, where you're doing this because you couldn't shut up and stay home. Like, yeah. that, how is that helpful? And, you know, I'll put a caveat there. I can understand the deep frustration of people who are at, you know, high, in part of high-risk groups and communities, you know, people with disabilities or the chronically ill looking at these people and being like, you're actually putting my fucking life in danger. I yeah. can see you yeah. know, there's legitimacy, I think, to that anger as well. But more broadly, you know, I think there is this sort of superiority complex looking at these people and being like, oh, you know, you, that's, you know, you're talking about, you've talked about, Tom, people trying to write off these protests as consisting only of, you know, white middle-class racists mm. and, yeah, and they're raising yeah. the, that the, there's actually a deep cultural, political, ideological diversity that uh, in the makeup of these protests, which is, you know, it's a difficult thing and to, and requires nuance to grapple with. Yes, absolutely. And you, you can, you can, you can understand where they get this from. I think that a lot of armchair observers, the commentariat, as you said, have learned over the years of, you know, what were our last few years worth of big reactionary political movements that we generally didn't like? Well, they were the Patriot Movement mm. and then, you know, various, the rock star racists of the alt-right that would come along and have their fucking private events, you know, things like that, you know. And, and, and you know, I was... They're screaming at those people or doing stuff against them for a lot of those years. Well, so a lot of armchair observers have become acclimatised to talking about bad movements, what we don't like, mm. as being white, white racists. Mm. And so you end up at this point where people go, you have this weird cognitive dissonance of going, oh, no, they have to be that because all bad movements we don't like are white races. Mm. And then you sort of show people, you go, well, look, what about this largely Indigenous-led event? What about this smoking ceremony mm. here? What about this Sydney event where tens of thousands of them, I think, were Lebanese or other Middle Eastern people? Um, and then we can't tie the virtue or otherwise of the movement to the ethnicity of the people there. Right, right. But we can say it ain't as simple as you're saying, can't we? And so, therefore, we probably need to introduce some kind of nuance rather than just going, oh, they're all QAnons, they're all white supremacists. Yeah. But people will literally go, no, 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 that's not right. Look at this media photo. Motherfucker, I've just spent seven hours looking at live streams. Don't tell me. I hated every second of it. It's so fucking boring. Don't tell me, though. What I'm seeing is wrong because you've looked at this one you know, photograph, yeah, associated yeah. press photo with someone in a QAnon hoodie. Don't worry about that. I'm saying it ain't as simple as that. I'm yeah. not saying it for a good reason. I'm not trying to promote the movement. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that there's more. We should have complex feelings about this. Yeah. That we I... should. And we should approach it with some semblance of nuance. And what we should not do in my humble opinion, is, for example, like that online group 
I will not call them anything else but that. Online group, mad fucking witches, doing uh, let's do a Twitter thread where I have some sense of like, you know, I can avoid liability here, but I can make all the rest of you do it where we name and shame and basically dox attendees of the yeah, rallies. Right. Um, well, I'm sorry that we're not, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't really like the optics of like a wealthy white ex-CEO um, encouraging the doxing of many Lebanese people because it would be easier for them to rest on the assumption that they're a white supremacist. It's fucking garbage, yeah. you know, and that's the essence of that lazy commentary. There were a lot of commentators who I think were really excited. <laughs> this is so gross, but... Mm. There's a lot of people who like to comment lazily on culture wars stuff and they go, oh, this feels a little bit like an American culture wars moment. Mm. And I swear to God, I don't know what you, you think, but I swear that a lot of people thought, oh, this is like our US Capitol riots moment. Right. <laughs> and they're like, oh, let's do what they did there. Let's dox them. Let's shame them. Yeah, let's bring Jesus. them to justice. I think you know? there's this underappreciated element of political life which is enjoyment basically and like i think a lot of trump supporters just really had a good time being dickheads in the way that yeah. he committed and yeah, true. i think it's the same with a lot of like the the actual conspiracy theory kind of people in the in these protests they they love getting angry at stalin andrews and they love getting angry at the government mm, it's fun and you feel powerful and important like you were saying before that sugar rush thing but you've got comrades and you're you're you know oh it's fun um yeah, and i uh, think yeah. that the same thing happens with lefties shitting on people they don't like like it's fun to be like <laughs> oh doxing that normally happens to my mates now it's my turn hell yeah let's fucking get into it. oh they're all fucking nazis and grifters fuck them yeah. and it's like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. much easier and more we can enjoyable say to ourselves to give ourselves it. license to do a bit of doxing yeah well we can say that they're nazis and then right, we right, get right. dox them yeah yeah but, right, but that's exactly right. it is that it starts with the oh I, I think this will be enjoyable for me to harass these people oh it must be that they're white supremacists or whatever like you know and yeah. And anyway, yeah. I just think that's something that I've been trying to think about with like convincing people or like connecting with people who don't aren't already on my side is like remember that they enjoy the things that I don't like and <laughs> that we need to at least understand that to try and like yeah. bring them around. Yeah. I agree. I have been uh sort of trying to say to myself and you know after the 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 size of that event, I've been trying to say to myself, okay, so we've got these people that a lot of them have the, the tools upon which they've learnt to uh, communicate with each other is about going on. None of these things that are stressing us out are real. You know, like <laughs> COVID's making me have an internal meltdown, but I get, gain a sense of energy, out, sorry, agency out of saying that it's not real. Right. Uh, and I think that's the, the anxiety background, anxious, anxiety-inducing background of, like, mm. you know, the framework that lets, leads people in to get a sense of kind of, agency that feels better than just being stressed and terrified and you know mm. during lockdowns mm. all the time you know what i mean um and this isn't to infantilize conspiracy theorists so For much sure. as like literally you know there, there's an excellent book by a guy called rob brotherton called suspicious minds which you know i quoted a little bit in my two-part q on video last year I went through some of the psychology of that and you know like anxiety-inducing circumstances do for some people not for all of us some of us just drink a lot or get really depressed but other people 
um, uh, deny the situation or gain a sense of agency off of becoming mm. like you know truth seekers. Mm. And, you know that mm-hmm. that is I can you can see how that would be more agency lending than yeah. going. Yeah. I'm fucking terrified. You know. Yeah. Um. So, but these circles are there. But I have been thinking to myself, well, uh, rather than this dynamic of going, ah, COVID's not real. It's all a hoax. New world order. Going, you're wrong. Science. Lockdowns save lives, yeah, you idiot. Yeah. So yeah. thinking, well, what are the things that we could sort of help to demand that mm. would help not just them? Because remember, the only not it is not the case that the only people affected by lockdowns becomes conspiracy theorists. You know, I'm affected by them too. You are as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of your listeners are as well. You know, lefties are too. Yeah, but, I think that's the crucial element of trying to locate this nuance in, you know understanding the legitimate material concerns you know as well as all the conspiracy bullshit because it informs your response it informs yeah. your political response and if you look at them and you and you see a bunch of conspiracy nuts that you can write off then what you're going to do is encourage your followers to dox them on twitter mm, but if you look yeah. at them and see people who actually are financially really struggling and who are not being supported by their government then your response is going to be okay the way to take the wind out of the sails of this movement which is heading in a very reactionary direction is to meet those material needs and that's something that we can you know uh, from uh a place of integrity you know on the left support you know without feeling complicated totally yeah yeah absolutely we can you know i have been trying to think of ways and i think that is one way that we can sort of all sit there and instead of finger wagging at naughty conspiracists who go out for a walk and probably spread look there's probably going to be some community spread as a result of that big Sydney rally because a lot of the people were coming from the hot spots. We know yeah. that. It's definitely and- fuckheaded as well as understanding <laughs> yes. all of this other stuff. It's yes. fuckhead behaviour at the same time. Right. Like, yes. Like, not trying to <laughs> say yes. <that> it's not. <laughs> You're absolutely right and people should go and get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Please. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, we end up in this rub, you know, like just at the risk of stating the bleeding obvious, we end up in this rub because we think that the virus is real Mm. and that the (laughs) pandemic is real and therefore we should try and not spread that real virus and then other people are telling each other that it's not. And, And, again, that sounds really, really like mundane and obvious, but it is comes down to the rub, you know. Like, mm. Lest we analyse and dissect the views of people, why on earth are they going out? Well, because they're all gaining a bit of agency and currency, mm. social currency, and some of them gaining money and political clout or attention mm. out of telling each other that none of the real things are real, you know. But, you know, we can't get anywhere with that conversation, so I'll try to talk about material demands. But I've pro- I've just gone and actually, you know, there, there's an article that will come out. Um, well, you know, it, it, it should be out by the time your listeners are hearing this, which is, you know, I've spoken to an anti-lockdown organiser, um, and I'm sure that'll go down great with a lot of the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> this person happens to be, there's a lot of alt-right influencing within the uh the scene, but mm. this particular person happens to have um, been very proactive about trying to oust that out of there. So for me, the preconditions for going, you know, you're not necessarily my enemy. I think what you're doing is, as you said before, fuck-headed, but I don't 
but I don't I don't hate you like I do a far right racist. I just think you're misguided, you're stupid, you're dangerous, mm. you know. So uh, the preconditions for me to at least talk to them and have a disagreement with them over the phone were mm. men, mm. you know. So we did talk and, and because again, you know, I, I I thought I'd write about it and write about our disagreements and write about it because like well, ultimately, when I said to them, well, okay, so I just want us to focus on the fucking job seeker, job keeper, you know, because it's hard to do lockdowns when people are fucking broke. Yep. But if our government, which can afford it, actually pays for people to stay home, do you think that more of the people might stay at home? And they were like, sure. And I'm like, oh, wow. There you like, go. Can I just have an well, agreement about solved. that? <laughs> yeah. With a, yeah. And I mean, it's so discordant, that movie. Sure. You're like, you yeah. Know, this one person's agree with me. Like, you know, talk about the other <laughs> twenty thousand who all have their own separate conspiracy. So mm. it's not far, but it felt nice, and it felt like I felt a spark of optimism for the future in thinking maybe there are things that we mm. could productively focus on that might not have us all playing this thing where we all argue with each other and don't yeah. manage to dampen that attendance. Because I would, could we at least have them not go out during fucking lockdowns or right. outbreaks? Like, you know what, do car convoys, mm, please, mm. something. Can we talk? I, 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 I want to ask you again about um, JobKeeper and that sort of thing, but I just want to stay on this issue about, like, the nuance of the movement or, like, of how we as, you know, critical pro-lockdown leftists should engage with it and yeah it i i think we have a lot to learn from how pauline hansen acted during the tower lockdown in melbourne you might remember i mean she didn't do a very good job but she sent them all everyone in these towers that were like ultra lockdown she sent them a like stubby holder and a note that was like i'm sorry you're having such a shit time vote one nation it, it, no, was is an, what... it was an it was an apology stubby delivery because she called them all alcoholics. Is that what it was? Yeah, oh she went on the news and said that oh, you, like <laughs> wow, don't, we shouldn't I... be concerned about the people in these towers because they're right. drug addicts and alcoholics. And then she sent them Fuck fucking me. one nation. Then she decided okay. to well, Nonetheless, all right, all right. It's not quite the point I was trying to make, but it it, it is relevant <laughs> in that I think. She was like, oh, God, I need to try and connect with these people instead yeah. of getting them off site. I, I was wrong about that first bit. Listeners, I'm sorry. I, I swear I, I normally do research for this show. But um, telling uh, a story about Pauline Hansen and you've left out the bit where it where she starts was... because she was racist. Like, if right, if right, it right. doesn't start with her being racist, you can I've assume clearly missed that a point. the first chapter is missing. But She's like, very good, but she is very good with her engagement, her opportunistic right. we can say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. but she is very good with her opportunistic engagement with anyone in right. multicultural exactly. communities yeah. migrant communities yeah. included the yeah. migrant community support on over certain issues and in certain areas for hansen is occasionally quite significant but right. that's because her and other one nation people will go there and have the conversations and that wasn't her going there and obviously no, you know, no. the full story of it she was she'd been a fuckhead at the start right, right. and then was but, just thought well <laughs> maybe i can turn this around by getting them all to vote but maybe the leftists you know? who have been fuckheads about these people in sydney could think oh this is a government racially profiling a huge geographical area and targeting them with police and military violence like that is a way a point for us to be in solidarity with these people um regardless of whether they believe that coronavirus exists they shouldn't be having massively over children kicked and pepper sprayed like we've seen in the last couple of weeks you know like it's it's horrifying and yeah well I, i hate being reduced to 
uh, commentariat, you know? I'm, do, you, do you know what I... Like, I hate the, the amount of times I'm writing a fringe show about, in part anyway, this kind of mounting frustration at constantly being like, oh, I can't go out and protest about it. They've got to stay at home. Mm. Guys, stay at home. Everyone lockdowns, you know, while these other people are just like, they're just running out like a... Like no one else is out there. Hair in the wind, dog with its tongue in the wind out the side of the car. (laughs) You know, they just go, Bill Gates. You've got to admire the just, the the go-get'em spirit, which, and you know, was Leah, host of Loud, Angry and Not Sorry, made a similar comment where, when she's like, you know, I'm always talking about starting a feminist political party and people are like, no, no, it'll never work. It's too much effort. Whereas these anti-lockdown people are like, great, reclaim democracy, Australia, let's fucking go. And they're not even the only, mm, like, yeah. political, uh, you know, political party trying to capture this momentum. And yeah, they're just like, fuck it. Go out there and get it, you know, do something. They have absolutely no like historical political literacy yes. for understanding how to how make hard this it would so, be. Yeah. So I question. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of blessed with that kind of like ignorance. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's just like yeah. they've come up with these ideas for the first time. Yeah. I mean, their own minds, because they haven't engaged with anything yeah. else. They've just go, ah, we'll go and we'll change the world, you know, and they don't and they don't have any literacy. You can see that that again, you mentioned RDA, Reignite Democracy Australia. Um, I think it got quite popular. Uh Cam Wilson and what have you was sharing the other day mm. that Monica and RDA were going to people, oh you know, should we start wearing masks to rallies? to mess really? with the police thing. Uh, oh, oh, right. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Should we cover our faces? Use the tactics of the if enemy? If they had <laughs> any sense of political literacy, they would remember that it was us who were, like, going... Oh, I remember back in 2017 when they were in Victoria, they were trying mm. to ban face masks. Mm. And we were going... To, I went to a meeting, because I was doing Million Flag Patriots at that stage, and we all wanted our face masks over our face because we didn't know where to get doxxed and killed and stalked by bloody far-right loonies. <laughs> but... um. But, you know, you, you, we went to meetings about that and what have you, and, and then suddenly you've been blessed with this moment in which you can now wear masks again out mm. to political activism in which, you know, you can have your face hidden. And all those guys going, no, no it's mask. bad. <laughs> and last year I went to an anti-lockdown thing just to go and film, film people's stupid placards and whatever. I talked to some people and I went to a Brisbane one last year and um, there were people who were saying to me, like, they were going, oh, take your mask off. And I would sort of go to them, no, listen, don't you realise that this will help you not Avoid get filmed the by the federal <laughs> police? And they go, oh, yeah. And then in my head I was like, hang on, you could get all these people to wear masks really easily if you just yeah. had a chat to them, you know. Again, one of these moments where I'm like, if you do talk to a lot of these people, because they're not no one with political literacy or activist literacy mm. is talking to them, yeah. <laughs> you know. So anyway, well, and that's not a bad segue. Actually, mm. I've got um, some questions here uh, from our listeners. They, I told them that you were coming on the show, and they were very excited. Asked if they had anything uh, that they wanted us to ask you, um, and that kind of dovetails nicely into this question from uh, listener guy with a long name. He asks, since the anti-lockdown movement is clearly a patchwork of so many beliefs, mm. what part do you reckon is going to take over? And does there seem to be any actual risk of people running for positions of power and winning? 
presumably meaning like in Parliament. Yeah. Guess um, so, yeah. Anti-vax is is winning. Yeah, you yeah. know, and we actually touched on that earlier, didn't yeah. we? Mm. You know, so we made mention of how. If you look back at it, you know, back at the start of the anti-lockdown movement, it was, they were always the best funded one. So I, I always had this inkling that they would capture the most people, you know. And it wasn't necessarily always a, a struggle between different factions or, or competing factions mm-hmm. so much as it was con- conflict between figureheads. Mm. But... It made sense. But what I didn't think about at the time was, as you said earlier on, is that, oh, of course it was going to be the anti-vaxxers right. that would... This is the perfect crisis for them to take advantage of. They're already yeah, because, set up for it. Yeah, because the third act of it is the vaccination yeah. act mm-hmm. anyway. So they're just standing to benefit from yeah. it. So you're definitely anti-vax. And, um, yeah, someone, I can't even remember. I can't even remember who it was. Which hopefully you can link it in the description or something. We'll get the article sure. later. Someone wrote very well the other day about the host of fringe parties who are all going to try and capitalise off of anti-vax sentiment in the upcoming election. And we've heard that people like Pete Evans, you know, celeb-type mm-hmm. figures are going to try and run with the Great Australian, Rod Cullerton's party, yeah, yeah. Uh, Great Australian party. But, um, you know, also there's going to be fringe parties in the Victorian context like Monica Smith's Reignite Democracy Australia and, you know, uh, one Australia party they called Ricardo Bosi, just, you know, mm-hmm. careerist grifter types like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're all going to be trying to harvest that sentiment for harvest anti-vaccine Sentiment or vaccine hesitancy mm. um, to for for political gain. They're mm. definitely going to try and do that. How the government reacts to that will be interesting. You know, obviously you can't. I mean, you can't really go and do a a Howard with that, like Howard did with mm. um, the wedge politics of of you know with seizing, say, Hanson's mm. anti anti-immigration mm. sentiment like yeah. he did there and really just making as much of it as was possible into mainstream policy. Neither of the major parties want to oppose vaccine rollout, even That's though they're doing right. a terrible no, job of making it happen. There's not enough political will there to make it worthwhile. Yeah. But yeah. there are, well, like, established politicians making an attempt to 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 capture some of this. I mean, George Christensen, even though he's supposed to be out of the next election, but I'll believe yeah. when I see it, he yeah. was there up there in probably change to a fringe party. Yeah, what you reckon? Yeah. I probably. mean, because and the other person would be uh, Craig Kelly. Mm. Who, yeah, you know, who's obviously he's now an independent as well, and you know, yeah. he and George are very close. So I don't know if they're gonna, you know, they're gonna be collabing in the future. But yeah, he he phoned into a rally. Malcolm Roberts mm. um, from One Nation also phoned in, and also can I just like commend the bravery of video linking into a fucking anti-lockdown rally by a politician. I mean, we're talking oh, about some brave. big, brave boys here. But that's so, brave, yeah. isn't it? Well, you get to have your cake and eat it too. You get to, <laughs> you know, deny the substance or the, 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 the responses of the pandemic whilst also not getting affected. Yeah. Oh, you know, <laughs> not actually breaching the health of yourself. Not going anywhere near all these people. But we'll amending everybody else. Who, too. Yeah, I'd love to be out there with you. I really would. I just run out of uh, hydroxychloroquine, so I'm not <laughs> going to be leaving until I get my re-up. But, uh... Oh, pathetic, eh? Hey? Yes, yeah, so I think that all that political... Is... And I, 
Will's going to be harvested to answer that question. And mm. I also think, look, if you just look at the the latest that's coming out of, say, America mm. related to vaccines, you know, you do see outbreaks. You don't. You see far less of people being hospitalised. Mm if they've been vaccinated fully mm-hmm. against COVID, but you do see spread of the virus nonetheless. Yeah. And see, you know, if we're all in the future where we all get vaccinated and we get our booster shots every six months or 12 months, but we still get that virus, but the whole spike protein vaccination means your lungs don't fall out, mm. fine, let's <laughs> yeah. go. Let me get a flu. Well, it's know? like Let me get a flu that's terrible, but I don't have long COVID or yeah, die yeah. or, you know, but... That's going to change sentiment. If that ends up bearing, you know, mm. if outbreaks become more and more common, even in majority vaccinated countries anyway, it's obviously going to change the popular attitude towards the vaccine, isn't it? I assume we're going to see better vaccines too over time. Right, right, right. Right, you know, there's some coming, I think, later in the year. But I just think all of that will very much begin to cloud the conversation. about it. You can just see it coming. In six months, this conversation is going to look very different. About yeah, get yeah. vaccinated, guys. It's, it's going to be like, what's the point? I can already see that coming. You know? <laughs> yeah. The point oh, is, God. is that in, you know, apparently the stats are in America is that ninety nine percent. I saw Hassan Piker talking about this the other day. Ninety nine percent of intubations or something. You know, people are mm. late stage. You're probably going to die type COVID. Are unvaccinated people. Right. So yeah. you know, yeah, you should. Go out and get it, <laughs> yep. but but nevertheless, it's going to change the conversation. So yeah, that that the future is with anti-vax stuff, yeah. yeah, and and the future for us is with figuring out ways to talk to vaccine hesitant people. Mm. Uh, so we've got a bunch of well, a couple of more questions that I want to ask that are sort of related to that. One, well, there's a few different ones, but um, this one's from Princess Babe who said. Given the bipartisan condemnation of these protests, is there any indication that the government slash police reactions to them will have knock-on effects for other protest movements that might happen during or after the pandemic? Things like invasion day rallies or industrial relations protests that might happen if and when we start to see moves towards turbo austerity. And I just want to ask another one that's sort of related to that. Um, so maybe, yeah, that's one. The other is from Leah who says, do you think white people seeing white people be brutalized by the cops will lead to an increased push in disarming slash defending the police, defunding the police, sorry. So uh, <laughs> I, I guess those are, two, th- those are two sort of opposite sides of the same question. Um, but what, what kind of impact will these lockdown protests have on, you know, government and police response to protests yeah. in general? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay, so I suppose we're talking about at a point after all the pandemic is done, that mythical stage in the future, whenever yeah. that is. It's going to die with a whimper, not a bang. We all know yeah, that. Yeah. But, but um, and we're saying, you know, so we're, we're, we're progressive movements, this and that, you know, we're ready to hit the streets again, you know, constantly without fear. And will there be a different uh, response to us from the government by that stage? Well, you know, I mean, there's been a, you know, so take, Victoria as an example, mm. you know, I mean, Victoria tried to introduce anti-association laws, militarised right. Vic Pol yep. incredibly, you know, particularly the port team, yeah. uh, public response, yeah. an order team. They became complete and other thugs with licence to do as they please anyway, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, so it absolutely follows that the direction of police forces in this country 
um, uh, and such and police response is just getting more aggressive anyway. Mm. Mm. And I think, you know, I think we probably have uh, political or corporate, political slash corporate elite who can see that the future um, probably involves a lot more mass unrest anyway. Mm. So Mm. I think that they're gearing up with that in mind. Mm. Um, So I, I think there's going to be a lot more popular dissent anyway, regardless, you know, over climate related issues as that gets worse, as it inevitably will um, and stuff in the future. Um, And I think that, the, well, the police have been given license. Whenever the police are given license, mm. feel that they're given license popularly slash politically to be more aggressive with protesters. They just go ahead and do it. Mm. And and the commonality there is that I saw it at, for example, there's lots, I saw it at IMARC mm. where you got, you yep. know, lefties all standing around yelling at mining executives and, um the police thought that they had a popular licence to go as hard as they liked because there was a very anti-protester sentiment because Extinction Rebellion had just finished Mm -hmm. their increasingly unpopular uh, Spring Rebellion series of public efforts. And so at that time they felt that they had the licence. Well, another time we've seen recently when they felt that they had the licence is with... um, is with anti-lockdown protests because mm. a lot of the people would sit there and go, get out, get off the street, and yet you'll sit there and you watch it and you go, okay, they're going really bananas mm. with these people. They're going really hand with them. So I think that um, I think that what we see is that regardless of the circumstance, the state will go harder when they feel they've got licence to. We can revoke that licence, I think, through unrest as well, mm. and particularly through having strength in numbers. So I always think that um, we've seen a militarised force, but I always think that we can fight back against that. we just got to have the numbers and the political will and the energy to get out there in public and specifically target that, you know what I mean? And, mm. and we saw that after the IMARC thing. We saw a lot of people very much focused on yeah. police violence. Yeah. And that's like, to me, it's like it's in the nature of the beast. That's what the state's like. That's what the coppers and the army and whatever are like. It's like a dragon. It's in its cave. It's constantly coming out. What are we supposed to do? We've got a stick. We're just supposed to be knocking the thing back in. And we talked about defunding the police or what have you. That would be slaying the dragon, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Um, I, I will, guess... The second question was, will white people resonate a little bit more with other white? Well, I, mean, I think, well, to... we talked about this at the start, that it's not really a white protest, so the question doesn't necessarily apply. But, yeah, do you, do you think that in general, maybe not about this lockdown in particular, but white people seeing other white people being by cops do you think that tends to produce an anti-police sentiment or like a move in that direction yeah well certainly i think that this mixed bag of very it's a very mixed bag of different factions with different mm. ideologies mm. not to mention different ethnicities of but course, yeah. when people see people that they're sympathetic to mm. which could be white people seeing other white people it could be right, anti-lockdown right. people seeing other anti-lockdown people right. some far right people seeing other that you know when you see people that you're sympathetic to being beat up by coppers, um, then you uh, do start to reconsider the response of the state. And I, um, you know, I mean, after I mark and what have you, we were going, well, this is really, really bad. And you, but you'd also had, you know, I mean, News Corp are a well-oiled machine mm-hmm. of going, okay, here was a protest of 
70 million people in the streets. They were just being protesters. They stopped all the trams and an ambulance couldn't get through. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then everyone sitting there at home in the telly goes, well, I don't know what that was about, but I know I hate them Yeah, because they yeah. stopped the ambulance. You know, you just don't get the context. You don't get that voice of this, this huge movement gets done and the media just use it to, you know, particularly conservative media use it to, harvest a kind of a spectacle and foster this this attitude of like here we go these bloody lefty bloody professional bloody protesters you know mm. um but but now a lot of those people and this is why i think a lot of those people started to when they started being sympathetic to anti-lockdown attitudes they started having to for the first time think about well what if that was you mm. So you end up in an interesting situation, don't you? Where a lot of the previous, I just think it's a ton of the people who a year ago would have been, oh, bloody, get him, coppers. Yeah. yeah, the bloody BLMs. Oh, that was, you know, that's one of the most, that shat me so much about yeah. the early anti-lockdown. Movement. I was not sympathetic to them, but I was like bemused by them, angry that they were going out and probably ready to talk to some of them back then anyway. But then I saw what some of those earlier and COVID denialist influences like Thanos Panayetes were going like, oh, BLM's not real. I'm like, hang on, you loser. You're going out there with tons of people and protesting all this garbage. You see someone else going out there with tons of people and you're denying the reality of them or going, oh, it's all a ruse by the state. Like, yeah. unbelievable. I just got so pissed off by that. Like, why do you think that there can't be a genuine anti-racist uprising? They just deny anything that they can't process. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But the, actually... the hypocrisy as well of being, you know, calling yourself the fucking freedom protest. It's about our right to protest. But also, you Not don't you get guys. to protest. <laughs> because yeah. my 5G thing is real, but your... Yeah, you're understanding not real. of structural racism is not. Yeah, you're not real. Yeah, you're not real because I don't. You're not me. <laughs> um, but the the um, look, I I think that. Okay, so again, I said earlier I'd spoken to an organizer. They have all these grand plans that I'm pretty dubious about for that movement to become more concerned with an array of. Uh, what I would we would regard as being more tangible, real things like refugee rights and environment and this and that. Because after, and I said, you know what? I said one of the worst things that's happening here through this pandemic is that the government is railroading a whole bunch of green tape legislation under the guise of road to recovery type mm. things. So once we're all back, we could just bulldoze any bit of greenery we like to mm. build stuff under the pretense of it being bouncing back from the pandemic right you know? so that's really bad so we would love a big movement to stop people from doing that i'm just dubious that the anti-lockdown movement is going to wind up as being any of those things you know what i mean but i, mm. I but i what i worry about right now is that really they're just caught up in and how much caught up in like the virality of social media mm. spectacle again the prevailing logic of our age that you know if you hold the camera up to your face and you say something really drama student emotive and get shared around and that's really good and that makes you feel great, then you were right, you know. And how much of material conditions versus that kind of mode of communication is the, the logic yeah. that guides this movement? Well, it's a bit of this, bit of that, you know, it's a bit of both. You just wonder, like, what you worry about is that they'll all go back to thinking that the coppers are right when they start bashing up lefties on the yeah, other side. Yeah, yeah. Obviously well, is- that's... That, that, that's what I'm, you know, th- this is the real struggle, I think, 
you know, for the left to provide like a viable alternative, because these people, a lot of whom are getting drawn in to this lock, anti-lockdown protest by, you know, by the material conditions, also as by these social media influences as well. You know, there are people there further right, waiting and ready to radicalize them further. Mm-hmm. I reckon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's really scary, you know, and I think that, you know, the uh, recent blow up with uh, Friendly Geordies and the Fixated Persons Unit is a great example of like a figurehead of a political movement, whether or not it exists in real life or purely online, you know, we can discuss. But, you know, there was, I think, this discussion at the time around, is this an opportunity for solidarity uh, with these Friendly Geordie supporters? You know, is this an opportunity to educate them on the issue of police brutality and say this is actually fucking standard practice for cops Mm. you know this friendly geordie's person is not the first person to be brutally arrested for speaking out against authority but geordie's nips that in the bud in his video about it by literally saying these guys the people who arrested my producer aren't cops so you know the regular cops were actually really nice and friendly so it's like, you know, he yeah. gets in there early with the pro-police rhetoric and basically shuts down the opportunity for solidarity across there. So, you know, I think there needs to be a really strong alternative presented by the left, ready to kind of um, talk to people on that level. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think with the friendly Geordies thing, you know, I, uh, I it did occur to me at some point that, like, you know, I don't think that he shows many much solidarity with many of the things that might concern people like us or what have you. But, but really don't, you know. And I think he's yeah. he's far more concerned with policing blue checks on Twitter than he is yes. with like, seeking ways to build a broader coalition of of, of further Absolutely. left yeah, people. Yeah. I don't think that's as, as I think he's, you know, got got his eye more on the the audience, which is maybe a politically expedient idea anyway. If you know the yeah. the bigger audience of like apolitical broadly normies out there, then he does thinking about, well, let's get this several thousand far left types on side. I don't think mm. he's, I don't think for what whatever we think about that, I don't think that seems to be a, a priority of his. But you know, yeah, I mean, solidarity ain't a, ain't ain't. ain't I think in our case, you know, when we sort of sit down and we look at things that we can use as as examples of what we're talking about, yeah, I, I don't think he's really thinking about this is systemic. This is mm. part of the function, yeah. core function of the police. We can point that out, you know. Yeah. yeah, I just think it's like you know, there's many, many things that like friendly Geordie does and says that you can go like, well, that's that that take shits me, or I think that's a bad take because it didn't include this or that. But often I'll look at it and I'll think, well, you know, all I'm seeing there really is the absence of someone that someone else, you know, that right. I think will speak exactly. for uh, people of us, of our political inclinations, who has a big, fucking, I don't know, YouTube channel. You know? yeah. So but other people should try and fill that void. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. No, we I agree. And try that, to fill that void. We're, I mean, we're doing what little we can. As I you know, um, but that's it. Yeah, that's it. You know, I don't. I'm not as as obsessed with, or as as, as constantly consumed by like uh, parliamentary politics as someone like Friendly Geordie. So I don't. I don't really see much. But I'm not really. Or about I like looking at fringe movements and stuff. You know? <laughs> we all we all play a little role. Maybe our future far left YouTube messiah is yet to. 
mm. arrive. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we're all waiting for that with bated breath. We can just play our little roles, you know what I mean? Build our yeah. audiences, build our messaging, get better at what we do. Bang. Well, uh, this has been a good wide-ranging chat. I think we've touched on a lot of different things, hopefully added a little bit of um, nuance to the conversations around this stuff because, yeah, I think a lot of the conversation around it has been a bit disappointing from my perspective. So, you know, yeah. nice to try yeah. and insert a little bit, yeah, hopefully of reality, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, It's weird, isn't it? It's like what are we ultimately doing when we do this? And what, mm. I would hope that we're readying ourselves among each other to then get out there and have more productive conversations, mm. you know what I mean, rather than going, uh, okay, sometimes I can get very jaded looking on Twitter. Actually, I always do every day. Yes. <laughs> but uh, sometimes I can get very jaded about like going, looking at conversations on Twitter, and I feel like people are just like trying to finesse each other's takes into the perfect take. Mm. Well, that's just a big circle jerk, isn't it? Instead, <laughs> if we can then get out once we have, yeah, all right, we like to finesse our take with each other, but then what do we do? There's nothing with wrong that? with having a circle jerk as long as you don't mistake it for political action. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Your take isn't perfect. You know, we better be finessing it for some political project afterwards. Yeah. And sometimes I can feel just like the constant recorrecting of each other's, you know, perspective on mm. something. You know, we all have slightly different focus areas of focus and what have you, then maybe if we can get out afterwards and then use it as part of a political project that everyone can get on board with. Maybe I'm maybe I'm ridiculously naive and optimistic to think that I could ever, you know, sort of dampen attendance of any lockdown rallies by trying to demand or help us all demand material gains that mm. would keep some of them fed. You know, maybe that's just me being starry-eyed, but... I don't we know. Need that. It seems it seems like a productive project. Well, I totally agree. No, and I think that's ultimately, you know, it's, it's important to see this as as an opportunity for the yeah. left, you know, and not just as something that needs to be shut down. But sorry, Noon, I um, uh, I was going to say. I mean, I know you're kind of wrapping up, Zach, and we've got you know three minutes left or something. But to, in that three minutes, do you reckon yes. you could tell our audience um, how to de-radicalize anti-vaxxers <laughs> and other <laughs> Uh, people who, no, yeah, just quickly. Oh, uh, two and a half minutes. So yeah, yeah, go. Just quickly, yeah, yeah just right, hundred and fifty seconds on the clock. <laughs> okay, so so everyone has an anti-vaxxer in their life. Mm. Yes, and um, you have way more political, not 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 political. You have way more clout with someone that you know, um, and than anyone else does, or any bit of content online. Because after all, most of the links you send to someone that you're having a disagreement with, they don't click on. That's just the rule sure. of the internet. Now, um. You can, you can, so I think it's worth trying to have conversations with the people you know, that one close person, because we all have one who is uh, becoming pilled, you know, or yep. at least yep. is going from vaccine hesitant or no opinion over to becoming an anti-vaxxer, you know. Yep. I think there's an early point there in which you can uh, uh, use up some of your, your familiarity or intimacy in your clout with them to be able to have a conversation. That being said, that is very frustrating for us because we're in a pandemic, we're all being affected by it and we don't want to see that people are like, um, you know, it's frustrating to see that your friend is suddenly telling you about how we should arrest Bill Gates or mm. the virus isn't real. Yes. Or I mean, we should arrest Bill Gates. But, yes, but uh, not for the reasons that they It's a side issue, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all very Again, frustrating. Again, opportunity for solidarity. <laughs> yeah. 
But I think that people like that, and I think if we accept that there's often some very anxiety-inducing circumstances about the pandemic, of, mm. you know, or what have you, that uh, lead people to gain, like we were talking about earlier, about gaining a sense of agency through being a conspiracist or being part of those circles, um, that maybe connection is the answer to some of those those things at mm. an early stage. Mm. But it's frustrating and you shouldn't have to do it. So if you decide that you've got the spoons to do it, mm then I think that treating treating it like, say you've got a friend with major depressive disorder and they're routinely suicidal and they send you horrible messages and it's very hard to deal with. Mm. But you're like, well, yeah, I, but I, I really want to help my mm. friend, mm. you know. That ain't easy and that ain't snappy either. Mm. But we might do it if we've got the spoons for it. And I think seeing this a little bit like that, not that I'm trying to pathologise sure, sure. to think about arresting Bill Gates to the degree that I am to major. I'm not right. trying to do that. I'm just saying that we wouldn't see dealing with our friend who's uh, suicidal or what have you, having ideations like, we wouldn't see that as a walk in the park. Why should this one be a walk in the park either? I, I but if we have also... the will and the spoons to do it, then I think that getting familiarised with the ideas that they're, becoming immersed in by saying, well, can you send me the links? Can you show me where you're getting your info from? And not arguing with them about it, just asking for it. Let's you get familiarised with anti-vax ideas or whatever it is they're becoming mm-hmm. built by. Mm-hmm. That's good because you don't want to get as angry about this as you probably are getting instinctively at the start because otherwise how are you going to be able to have a calm chat with yeah, your mate yeah, with your when friend, it's infuriating yeah. you? So it takes a bite out of it for you. And then I think mm-hmm. finally, if you, after all that, if you say to your friend, I disagree with you and I want to have a productive chat with you about it, but not an argument. I want you to come back to me at some point in the future. If you want to chat with me about this, if you want to, you want to listen to me, you may. Come back to me at another time. Take it up with me. Let's have a yarn. You know, you've given yourself time to immerse in their ideas. Catch yourself up on it. Make it marginally less annoying. If they then come back to you later on, you have at least you can you might not you might do bugger all, but you have at least dealt with that most common problem of. It all say internet discourse or what have you, which is people just disregard each other's opinion. They mm-hmm. go, oh, well, you're a sheep, so I don't want to listen to a word you're saying. But if you can at least get them to go, okay, well, let's have that yarn, you've tacitly already done half the job right there because they've at least said, I'm willing to listen to you, my mm-hmm. friend, and then you can have a productive chat. And all of that, and you might still not get anywhere, but they are, you are still laying the groundwork for conversations yeah. that might de-escalate your your friend so much. And if we all did that with one of our friends, and believe me, I've tried and I've had some success, actually, you'll be happy to hear. If we all did that with some people, we might create a larger network of people who are on the side. And so I, I think it's worth considering if it's not too painful for us. Um if we've got the spoons for it. But if we don't, well, you know what? It sucks for us all. We're all having mental health stuff, so don't beat yourself up about it. That's mm. what I would mm-hmm. say. Hopefully I got all that in in time. Oh, that's fabulous. to do that as quickly as possible. That's amazing. <laughs> that's a really good answer. And I think, that, you know, the analogy with mental illness stuff is really good because, like, no one would expect to have that chat with their severely depressed friend and then for their friend to not be depressed anymore. Yeah. And, but you might help them. We might take 5% off or they might contact you next time or that sort of thing. Like that, I think, yeah, changing the expectations about what this conversation might achieve down from, oh, they're now going to fully agree with me on science to like yeah. downgrade that to like, 
oh, they might just reconsider one or two of their more extreme things, and they might consider reading some other points of view sometimes. Like, I think that's a much more realistic and achievable thing to hope for from that conversation. Well, they might come back next time they're told that, you know, the left are starting the bushfires and think, oh, remember I had that, you know, or something yeah. like that, <laughs> and think oh, they might think that, oh, yeah, well, you know, I had that productive chat with my lefty mate a while ago. He Maybe didn't I seem like an arsonist. This. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want, yeah, he didn't seem like he lights too many fires. So I, I, I didn't, yeah, and I, again, I just don't, I didn't want to, like, you know, uh, make light of, of other legitimate mental health conditions. Mm-hmm. I was just really saying that if you can see it as grounded in that kind of thing and you're treating it with the gravity that it probably yeah, require, yeah. you know, and the time. It's a major sinkhole for time if you're going to commit something like that. But as long as you yeah. have that, that expectation there that you know what you're getting into, you know. For sure. Well, thanks so much, Tom. This has been fantastic. Uh, listener, I hope you got a lot out of it as well. Um, yeah. Before we sign off, do yeah. have a segment every week which we call the pup date, when Noon and I tell everybody what our dogs have been up to. Yeah. You, Tom, do not have a dog. I don't. But you do have this big loaf currently. I do have this absolutely in, in, your, in your arms, yeah. Yes. This... Why don't you tell us about a chimpy update? Give us a chimpy. Yeah. Date. So chimpy is um. Chimby is uh, so he's twelve. He's almost thirteen. Mm-hmm. He's a real he's a real lump this year. So everyone listening is not aware of Chimby. Chimby's my cat. He's um, Tonkinese. He sits around just all the time. Like, <laughs> so I've been holding him in videos because he just sits there. Yeah, like, he is the most docile held. cat that I think I've ever seen. He's getting old, and I think he has arthritis. Mm, okay. So that's making him very inert. Like he is. He's always loved to be held, but it's been really weird that he's just like, I'll record a 45-minute video and he'll just sit there the whole time. <laughs> and I think that's Number kind of one funny. Fan. I recognise that that is weird and it might be a little bit distracting. So <laughs> I, just, I think it's funny to just have this cat that's like dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like holding him there, you know. I recorded some video the other day about getting vaccinated, but he's like licking my head the entire <laughs> That's time. right, I saw that. Yeah, it was pretty funny. This undermines my messaging somewhat, I admit, but I kind of, <laughs> I think that's kind of funny, you know. But um, but he's uh, look, I take him out for walks in the local wow. park, yes, which is something I've done with him since he was a kitten. Um, oh, so you've had him for the full 12, 13 years. Yeah, yeah, I oh, have. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's travelled around uh, states with me in the car, in the passenger seat. Would you believe? Like, uh, <laughs> I would believe just, it. Of Chimpy, he's gone a long way. He's been. He's been all over. He, I take him down to the park. Yeah, because he's getting, he's, he's, he's slowing down a lot. So we'll take him down to the park and it gives him a bit of sun mm-hmm. and he gets to eat some grass and then throw it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. the ultimate going outside experience for a friend. Yeah. animal. You know, yeah. That's yeah, number one it. on your to-do list. Eat something that I'll then vomit later. Yeah, yeah. ideally yeah, grass could be poo. Yeah, he fucking loves eating grass and throwing it up. You yeah, know? I think that's actually one of the functions of eating grass. It is. It cleans is. out his <laughs> stomach. Hey? So he likes doing that. He's not very good at walking. He used to be like back when I lived in. I remember I lived in West Footscray, and I used to take him to uh, Ted Whitten Oval, or rather mm-hmm. the front bit outside the oval. And I used to take him around the edge of that part there. He'd walk. Does like he walk a on a harness or just? 
Harness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Actually, I'll tell you a chimpy anecdote. I don't know, you can cut this out if you don't. <laughs> so I used to put him on a lead and then the third or fourth time I ever did that, I took him down to, uh, again, this is West Footscray, I took him down to one of the parks there and they had just finished playing a little local footy slash VFL mm-hmm. match, I'm not sure. And... It was, yeah, some reserve in Westwood Square, wherever that is. Yeah, yeah. And I had him on a lead there and then this little dog came bounding up and just leapt at him and I picked Chimpy up and he, but the dog leapt up towards him and then Chimpy spoke. Now, when cats want to get out, it doesn't matter whether it's a harness or a lead, actually, they get out of it. And right. he was at peak spooked, understandably, and he scratched me so much when he was flailing to get away that suddenly he was down and he bounded off like a shot around the corner of this building. And I looked down and he'd scratched me so deeply that I had like blood immediately running down my oh, arms. No. Like, he had gone very deep. I think I still have a little bit of a scar on my arm. Like it was that, and this was 10 years ago, so it was that deep, you know. It was like blood pouring down Jeez. both of my arms. So then I went to go and look for where he was, and he had gone around the corner of this building, which turned out to be the footy club building, and he'd gone in the door. <laughs> and I went into the door, and all of the local West Footscray footy team were sitting on tables in the pub and they were eating, like, uh, having pints and palm, palmies or whatever after the game. And Chimby had gotten on top of one of their tables. <laughs> and he was leaping from table to table. And he knocked someone's fucking pint over. <laughs> and then he leapt to another table and knocked another one over. And so they're looking there at this cat, leaf, spooked cat, leaping all these footy players. And then I come in and I'm drawing blood. blood from my eyes. I'm going, Chimpy! <laughs> <laughs> and I've never seen these fucking blokes put it like so just like, they're just looking at me. I just could not compute anything that was happening. And so I sort of went to approach him and he ran behind the bar. Oh, he jumped up on top of the back of the bar, knocked over a full bottle of vodka Jeez. and smashed it everywhere. And I'm, uh, I'm wow. so sorry, please help me. And they gave me, a, <laughs> they gave me a sports bag that we put him in there and I zipped it up and I took him home. <laughs> and then I kind of came back and I was like, I didn't want to go in there because I'm like, I'm probably going to have to pay for 10 pints and a bottle, and a of, bottle of water. So I just kind of left the sports bag and bug it off. So anyway, so don't put your cat in a lead, okay? That's that's the lesson here. Use wow. a harness, everyone. Okay? Great. Oh, that's lesson an amazing learned. story. That's, that's favorite. Uh, Thanks Trent, for hearing me out on that one. In his halcyon days. Mm, yeah, it was good old days. Now he just lies here and looks at me during video recording. What a life. So that's it. He's being useful for something finally, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks uh, so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. And, yeah, I mean, what can we say other than um, keep up the fucking great work? Yeah. Loving the keep, YouTube content. Keep you know? making the content. Keep doing the articles. Like, subscribe. Uh, thank you. Tom Tanneke on YouTube. Thank you, you so Patreon? much. Yeah, Tom Tanneke and all the different things. Oh, yeah, you, you want Instagram, to chill? Twitter. 
Instagram projects uh, coming up. I would books. like to shill. Yes, I write fortnightly articles in Independent Australia. Um, there's uh, often about anti-lockdown stuff these days, so please look that up. And also, yeah, but anyway, yeah, uh, uh, regular videos at least weekly on YouTube now, and also. Yeah, just Instagram or Twitter is where I tend to frequently post now. Facebook, there's a little point because it'll never come up in your feed, so don't bother with that. Zuck, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the Zuck. I've been permanently shadow banned on all sides. But, anyway, yeah, um, thanks so much for having me, and I really appreciate the pod and I really appreciate your, all the work that you do as well. Thanks so much, Tom. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us, everybody. Uh, hope you got something out of this episode. We definitely had a lot of fun talking to Tom. He's, um, you know, a sweet angel, mm-hmm. as uh, as I said up top. Uh, and, yeah, definitely make sure you go. If you're not already subscribed to his YouTube channel, do yourself a favor. There's a lot of content. Great content. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's also time now for... If you want a podcast, you got to do a lot of shit. That's not technically podcasting. You still gotta do that shit. We were, you know, you already know to like and subscribe. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, one dollar a month over on the Patreon bonus episodes. Really, what we want to do, we want to say thank you to all of those people who gave us reviews on Apple Podcasts this week. Mm-hmm. Let's start off with Steph New. So this is from Steph LB, and then a series of numbers that I hope is not important to their identity. Titled, "It's a five star review." Come for and the meme. <laughs> and it is. Come for the meme. Stay for the system smashing, thoughtful reporting and pup dates. I recommend the pod in, a lot in real life, so I'll do so here too. Thank you, Steph. That's kind. Thanks, Steph. That's so nice that you recommend it in real life as well. That's that's very nice. Yes, that's very thank sweet. Uh, thank you also to Jace, five stars, titled, Ugh. I love these two good boys and they're good dogs and they're Ospol News, but I can't believe they made me make a freaking iTunes account to write this review. Good work, boys. Thank you, Jason. We're sorry also about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Given Tarrant gave us five stars with a review titled, It Put Sizzler's Cheesy Bread to Shame with Its Deliciousness, which is, that's lovely. I've never actually been to Sizzler, so Me neither. I, I can't comment, but that's very bourgeois nice. alert. <laughs> Australia alert? Do we? I think there's one Sizzler in Australia, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway. Given Tarrant says, news and commentary that is crispier than the freshest cheesy bread and a salad's bar worth of commentary on the news you probably didn't get a chance to read too much about. Main stories, superbly cooked and well presented, and a dessert bar that is pup date, is wholesome and red, and comes with all the toppings, and it comes with unlimited refills for the price. Love your work, heart, Steph. Thank you. Thanks so much, Steph. That's 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 so sweet. I do love the creative effort that people put into these reviews yeah, i well, mean i brought up with zach multiple times since then the review that described us as a la snack um <laughs> so, yeah the, these do stick with us oh trust me yeah we, we quote them all the time my favorite one is the one that was like a bit dry not very funny but uh, good analysis <laughs> the analysis is good but <laughs> yeah. the puns are a bit stale it's yeah. stale yeah. <laughs> we on. also got five stars from pod racer 420 a nice. two of australia's foremost political nobodies is the title more like two of australia's foremost political cuties 100 <laughs> percent. i came for the memes and stay for the ozpol these guys really know what they are talking about and help me navigate the treacherous swamp that is ozpol thorough research top call stings big funnies pup dates need i say more crunch crunch i feel like we could use that as 
the you know that that could be the little description of the show on yeah, podcast that's amazing. platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also. I'm going to read this next time someone tells me that I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, so <laughs> thank you, Pod Racer. <laughs> and finally, five stars from Perno. Better than friendly 20s. <laughs> if, you pref- if you prefer to enjoy memes described to you in audio, this is the podcast for you. Thank you, Perno. Thank that you, Perno. is technically a very nice review. Yeah, we'll take it. Absolutely, we'll take it. Thank you so much to everybody uh, else over the years who has given us a review and helped All us get to 100. Reviews. That's fantastic. So nice. Um, it basically means nothing, but... The... Don't say that. We've just been telling you. No, 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 no. Sorry, not the reviews. The reviews mean a huge amount. I was going to say it means nothing, but we are placed currently at 45 on the oh. Australian political podcast charts all time. Yeah. That, which... 45th most popular Australian political podcast of all time, according to iTunes. It doesn't mean anything because it's not about numbers. It's just a, like, it's literally because we got these reviews that yeah. iTunes is like, oh, people really love this podcast, even though functionally no one listens to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever it takes, man, that's fine. Um, you start at number 45 in the all time, then you get the listens, <laughs> then you get the, the charting spots, the, the high, the high <laughs> spots. We are clearly done and dusted. Yeah, I'm I think sorry. it's time Looked to put up. a fork in the both of us. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in this week. We'll catch you next week uh, for presumably a bit more of a classic Ozpol snack pod with all your favorite stings and segments. But until then, make sure that you keep on snacking in the free world. Fuck cops, crunch, crunch. You said it. It's a classic.